1: Hello and welcome everybody to this second day of the Senior Bowl where Quentin Crisco and I are building the board. As we wrap up, day two of the Senior Bowl here in Mobile, Alabama. Quinton, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Robert. Just glad that uh, it's a little more cloudy
2: today. A little mm-hmm. less sun, a little less exhausting, a little less red. Hoping to be a
1: little less red tomorrow. I think that's how sunburn works, but I'm doing good. I agree. I mean, tomorrow's supposed to be rainy, but we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Today was a beautiful day of football, and I like to think we got to see some things that we really needed to, each of us. I mean, we can go back and forth talking through players. I want this to just be as casual and like two scouts in a room as it can be, but I know I'll go ahead and lead off. Jaden Reed, the Michigan State wide receiver, has been phenomenal, Quentin. I mean, he looks borderline uncoverable. If you're looking for one specific trait that defines his game. It's what we would call foot frequency. So that's envision when any receiver whether it's Darnell Mooney or Chase Claypool is running a route. How many steps do they take as they run, just naturally speaking. To use a good example, Tariq Cohen had really great foot frequency compared to Jordan Howard. You know what I mean, Quentin? Yeah. And Jaden Reed isn't particularly—he's he, not the fastest receiver in his class, but he might have some of the fastest feet. And that's meant that both on press release jams, anything downfield, anything short, he is—he's moving so quick in and out of his breaks that receivers are, or DBs are really having trouble keeping up with them. I also feel like Stanford receiver Michael Wilson, the 6'3 or I think it's 6'2, 2'15 uh, receiver that you've ta- heard me talk about way too often when the mic isn't hot. Uh, he had a phenomenal day himself. It felt like he smoothed things out from day one to day two. Probably, I would say, the most improved player. Uh, maybe between both practices, though, you watch offensive line. Um, and so i did didn't so I i'm i guess i'm not sure but he looked like he smoothed things out with a receivers coach, that he didn't fight through contact near as much as he did, that he just blasted past contact, and that he had a great day separating. And, I mean, he's a big body as is. He's, like, he's a hands catcher. He's sudden in his movements. There's so much to like with him in particular. Uh, I feel like a couple other players I guess we ought to mention while we're on the topic of these national team receivers before I kick it over to you. Uh, I think that Grant DuBose out of UNC Charlotte has some game in him. Uh, It's just he's gonna have to refine himself a little bit. Somebody that I'm leaving with more questions than answers but in this case that's a good thing because I originally thought he was just nobody in particular to pay attention to, right? Um, And then I can't help but think that on the CB side, Riley Moss is hanging in there, uh, and he's one of the only CBs that really is. But Caillou Blue Kelly is standing out in that group. He had a pick in the team period. He had almost another pick also in the team period. And in one-on-ones, he was the only one who was really able to challenge the corners. The corners on the national team have not been great. I don't know what's going on from a coaching perspective. It could be all kinds of things, though it does feel like the talent is a little more skewed on the American team, but that was at least what I know I saw on the first practice from the wide receivers and the DBs. What did you see on the offensive line?
2: On the offensive line for the national team, the the first guy that really stands out to me is Notre Dame center slash guard, however you want to view him, Jarrett Patterson. I view him as a center. I think when I, when I watched his tape, he was much cleaner, much better, much more efficient, and much more uh, consistent playing center. He played guard his senior year. Part of that was due to an injury that allowed Notre Dame to say, we have another center that we, we do like. And rather than play you injured at center where the injury might be affecting you, we can move you to guard where it might affect you less. And Patterson struggled yesterday at guard. But he looked very good to me today at center, which I think does a lot for his stock of saying, this guy can still be a good center, even though he's not a good guard. Right. And he might be able to play guard in a pinch, but that's not what we're asking him to do typically. Um, and then next up, North Dakota State offensive tackle Cody Mock. He played a little center today. He played a little okay. tackle today. He played mostly guard yesterday. And he has looked pretty darn good, no matter where he is on the field. Um, I do think he is a guy who probably needs to be on the inside, but who I mean, he's an outstanding athlete. So that that's just you know pure speculation on my standpoint. Mm-hmm. He has looked good everywhere he's been asked to play this week. This week so far, and that can only help his help his situation, help his big board ranking, and then. We saw Dewan Jones not play today, or that's Ohio State offensive tackle Dewan Jones. Big Thanos,
1: as he's called yeah. on
2: some of the WCG boards. I think he has a nickname. I'd have to pull out my notes. His nickname is something pretty good, too, I think. But uh, he did not play today. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why it did look like he might have gotten nicked up at the end of yesterday's practice. And maybe he just said, you know, minor injuries... I'm just going to cut it off there before it turns into something bigger. I got the combine to worry about, all this other stuff. Or maybe he was fine and just said, I look good today. I, I don't need to prove anything out here. I'm not going to risk it, which is completely fair. I mean, I, I don't think he needs to risk it. And then outside of that, looking at offensive line, yeah, you're right. I mean, the, the talent is much more skewed on the American team like mm-hmm. the the national team seems to be a lot more guys who are fighting for mid round late round draft position while the uh, uh while the national team or while the american team has a lot more guys who are really cemented into the top half of the draft um so or on the defensive line do you want me to go into that of course so thomas inkum or let me see where's he out of See that central Michigan defensive lineman Thomas Incombe. All right, he uh he flashed some today and I didn't notice him yesterday, but he just found his way to make some plays. They seemed like he was slippery, tough to tough for blockers to get a grip on, and was a little bit explosive. And like I said, I didn't notice him much yesterday. And part of part of the reason I started noticing him, I think, was because. I was getting number six, which is Georgia Tech Edge Keon White, and number eight, which is Thomas Ankum, Central Michigan defensive lineman Thomas Ankum, mixed up. It was like six, eight, six kind of looks like eight. The type the looks really tucked.
1: similar on these jerseys. Yeah. And half these kids, like you just mentioned, are wearing their pads tucked, yeah. like the jersey tucked up. So you just have to, you kind of have to visually identify him. And if you yeah. identify him wrong, you spend the whole day thinking you're watching somebody else. Well, yeah, I I
2: thought he was explosive, strong, athletic. Keon White at a few points because he looked like he might have been and that's, that is something that is worth exploring because that is a very talented player. Yeah, Dion it is. White. <laughs> and then next up here on the defensive line, I got Northwestern Edge, and I'm going to just mispronounce this name terribly, but it's <laughs> Adebaware Adetitamuwa. And this is a player who I was not very impressed with coming, coming down. Um, I thought he's big, he's strong. He has a good, great motor, like, you know, all effort all the time, just blue collar player. But I just did not think that he had one the athletic difference making traits that you look for. I mean, he's strong and he can hold an edge, but that, that seemed like it would be his, he'd be limited to that role only. Um, and, he was just very unrefined, I thought, with his hands, with his feet, overactive. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of moments where it felt like he was just setting up for three seconds, dancing around in front of the blocker and not getting anywhere. Right. And through the first two days, I did notice he cut down a lot of the hand, a lot of the feet action he was doing. And he was just attacking, which was an improvement alone but today he actually he made a few plays that made me say you know maybe i maybe i was a little
1: too hard on maybe there is more there that just needs to be refined that's huge i mean especially when you can find athletes on the interior defensive line against some of these guys, like you're talking about. I mean, the American team is absolutely juiced, but people refining themselves and helping us answer some of the core questions that we have about these players is a huge part of why we're here at the Senior Bowl. Another player to just skim off of exactly what you're saying, DeMarvion Overshone, is a raw athlete, long, athletic linebacker. I mean, we're talking about a 6'2", 220-pound linebacker with a extraordinarily long arms. Not quite DeWan Jones, but certainly somebody that might appeal to Matt Eberflus, depending on what happens. And he is blending in just fine in terms of his coverage ability. I feel like if there's one player I would have loved to see on a second day would have been Puka Nakua, who ended up not playing due to injury. It's a darn shame he did, cause he had a really solid game yesterday. I feel like I can't go podcast without talking about Payne Durham, who I was even able to catch up with later. For any Bears fans that don't know Payne Durham and need an extra reason to pay attention to him, he said that he modeled his game after Mike Allstott in an interview that I had with him where growing up watching Allstott taught him that, and I quote, you don't have to go down if you don't want to. And I love the energy I get from
2: him. When you got tree trunks for legs, you don't have to go down.
1: No, you don't. And I mean, going back to some of his tape from 2022, there were times when he'd drag a pile as far as 17 yards extra downfield. (laughs) I I thought Davis Allen out of uh, Clemson had some really solid moments. He's not a player I've scouted yet. So it's nice to see the occasional players show up in a position group that you're like, Hey, I wasn't paying any attention to you, but good on you. I feel like one thing that I didn't mention earlier, I did want to circle back to both Michael Wilson and Jaden Reed, though. I like them are players that I think I came into this with questions about, right? Was Jaden fast enough to succeed against good corners? Like, Caillou Blue Kelly, who had a really solid day, but even Mekki Blackman, who came in from USC. They've got some guys who can play. And the fact that Jaden Reed hasn't just looked like he fits in, but he's looked nigh uncoverable, might just push him up the board into maybe the top 60 players. And then Michael Wilson, he had the speed, he had the physical gifts, he ha- didn't really have the production. And we hadn't, or, and especially like against top tier corners, he, in infl- in fact. I mean, he just didn't look ready for the moment, and so seeing him start to play like this, I can't wait to see what he does against the national team in the in the actual game itself. There are some sweet matchups to be had here. Anything? Anybody else that you feel like moved around on your board in the national team? You want to quickly go through?
2: Yeah. Um, so let's see here. Guys who really showed out differently than yesterday probably be Ryan Hayes. Showed a little more. I felt really I, I felt like Ryan Hayes struggled some yesterday. Um and not that he didn't struggle today, but he just had a few more of those dominant reps I felt like that that he lives on. Mm-hmm. You know, that he he is a big, strong, gap scheme power blocker. Mm-hmm. And he when he doesn't have as many of those powerful explosive blocks, you're saying I don't know if this guy's very good, right? But when he has him, you you go, oh, wow, that guy looks good. Mm -hmm. Like, so I I felt like he showed out a little better today, especially in Um, one-on-ones. How far up your board does that move him? Because I know he's not somebody you've For the Bears specifically, probably not a ton. But, I mean, there was at one point where I kind of hoped that he might be able to move into guard, but he just doesn't have the movement traits for it. Um so for the Bears specifically, not a ton, but for someone out there, probably a fair amount. Probably, like, I mean, you, know, you, know, you go from looking at him as a fourth or fifth round pick to maybe he's a guy who's worth reaching in the third or, or earlier in the fourth as opposed to the fifth or late fourth, His whatever, biggest. Whatever it might be.
1: It feels like Ryan Hayes' biggest issue in terms of just making himself money through the draft has nothing to do with him. I mean – yeah. We, I'm ready to segue whenever you are because the American team is so loaded with tackle talent. I just – I find myself wondering like yeah. how far down the board does Ryan fall purely on account of positional availability? I mean it's
2: certainly possible. Like I, I haven't even watched all the offensive tackles in this class yet. I started focusing on the senior bowl guys and then said – I'll get those, the rest of those guys later. So, like, it's hard It's hard to say exactly where that you might be on the board right now, but that's just based on who I have watched. I would think he'd land somewhere in there, but it's probably going to be pushed out a little more from what it, what I'm saying right now just right. based on numbers. Hang on. There's one more. And that's, I mean, how could I forget? North Dakota State offensive tackle Cody Mock, who is, you know, everyone's favorite kid around the corner. Beast. You know, Missing teeth and <laughs> missing his front two teeth with the long flowing hair and tight end speed. He, he's he's a freak athlete. He's versatile. We know he's versatile because today they put him at center. Okay, and I don't think he'd ever played center before. I heard I heard. Uh, I think it was Brugler was doing the podcast next to me as I was like right uh, as I was cleaning up my draft notes after today. And I think I heard him mention that he's he's never played center. He just They asked him if he wanted to play center. He said, yeah. I mean, I think if they asked him if he wanted to play punter, he'd say, yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> it, 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 he's, I think I love he's just a gamer. He wants mm-hmm. to go out and play whatever he can. Um, and so now we have seen him. He also took offensive tackle reps today. We've seen him take center, guard, tackle reps, and really look serviceable if in a negative light or if you're taking a positive light look really good i say he looked good everywhere i mean in my opinion it it was beyond serviceable he he looked good everywhere he's had to be um not to say there isn't some pass protection that can be cleaned up but that versatility matters so much for these guys and that's something that you know he's probably projected what second round pick probably like that that's probably about where like somewhere around 50 and that type of versatility can move you up into the into the high thirties, you know, mm-hmm. into the, the, the start of the second round because teams are saying, you know, we don't we we have questions arrow line like Cody Whitehair might be able to stay healthy, or you know may, maybe Larry Borm figures it out right tackle, and we can really use a guy at center though. We still have Sam Mustafer, who we don't you know really want to be starting there, but he can. And to have that availability with Cody Mock of saying, We can put him at center, or we can put him at right tackle, or we can put him at left guard, or, you know, anywhere on the O line is
1: huge to any team. Oh, I mean, especially for a team like the Bears, who I, I know Jason Kelsey is not a perfect fit, but that kind of outrageous lower body athlete, I mean, if somebody took Mock under their wing and taught him how to play center at a decent level, you're talking about a player that could play guard in a Bears scheme that on plays like GT counter, which sounds like what it is, right? That's guard, tackle, counter. So that means the guard and the tackle pulls. You'd be able to plow Cody uh, Cody Mock straight through the hole with a lot of velocity, not just to knock the snot out of whoever's standing in there, but to get to the second level and potentially beat linebackers to the punch in plays like that. And uh, They run a lot of G lead. They they pull their guards a lot. Yeah. So a player like Mock is absolutely something I have, someone I have to imagine the Bears have their eyes on. Yeah,
2: I think the same thing. I mean, the movement traits are undeniable. Like you said, the lower body power's there.
1: He's, he's going to be high on their board. Absolutely. We're going to step aside real fast for the sponsors to get their word in, and then we'll be right back to talk through the American team. Stay tuned.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in.
1: And we are back with Building the Board. I am Robert Schmitz, your host for this episode, talking with Quentin Crisco, our wonderful offensive line expert. And, Quentin, now we're talking about the American team. So the 2 p.m. practice run by Luke Getzey and the Bears, where I I guess I ought to to mention it felt as if the first practice to me, Quentin, had somebody with the league step in because they had a PA announcer announcing what – Every piece of practice was look. I don't know, but it felt a little bit handholdy. Whereas Luke Getz's practices have seemed to run pretty smoothly, start to finish, and showcase their players a little bit better, which has certainly helped make these players, I think, look maybe a bit stronger artificially because we're able to see these contentious battles. Uh, and it goes understated how much it makes a difference that on the national team, guys, we're only getting max two reps of some of these guys that we're watching. Whereas in the American team, I mean, Q, for every two reps you get on the national, we're probably getting, what, four or five on the uh, yeah. American? They're just burning through practice. I mean,
2: so I'm trying to... I'm trying to track pluses and minuses for, for reps for these guys. But You know, I mean, when, when you're talking nine-on-seven or full team, I'm not trying to get every guy. I'm trying to get guys <laughs> that I see make a difference, like maybe one guy per play. Mm-hmm. And so there's some plays where I don't have any marks. But for the most part, I'm trying to get every, every one-on-one and, and any impact moments that I think mm-hmm. really made a play. And for – for most of the guys on the national team, you know, I'm talking five, six, six plays per guy. And at least three of those, two two to four of those are one on ones. Mm-hmm. For the American team, I mean, I'm talking 12 to 14 plays
1: it's per huge. guy. It's huge. It's a big difference. It's a huge difference. I mean, especially when you're talking about players like these, you want to see them compete against their peers, and thankfully they're getting a great chance to, which is why we're seeing some guys really cement themselves. I mean, it's not a stretch to say. It it feels weird to say Tyreek Stevenson is moving up my board, right? Because I I had like a very very vague second round slash high grade on Tyreek Stevenson, but I mean the guy's cementing himself as what looks like a surefire first rounder out there. Julius Brentz is flashing some serious ability. I think Rez John Wright belongs. He's awfully old. But when you're talking about a guy that, let me get his specific weight here. So we're talking about a 6'2", 196 corner with really long arms. Not quite Julius Brents, but there's a reason that he may go in the fourth round as opposed to Brents going in, say, the second round. But even so, he could still be a perfectly serviceable corner for for the length of his first contract. I feel like Q... The receivers in the second group. It's not that they're not as good. It's that the corners are better, but also the receivers are standing out a bit less than Jaden Reed at uh, or Michael Wilson were. We're getting we got a great bounce back performances or er, performance from Iowa State's receiver Xavier Hutchinson, and we also got a great one from Jonathan Mingo, the Mississippi receiver. I feel like. I'm amazed to say it, but Nathaniel Dell out of Houston, the receiver, still looked quite good. I mean, this is a theater for shorter guys, just like Calvin Austin did yesterday, Mm -hmm. to really flash that mobility out at practice and make an impact that maybe they can't make in quote-unquote real football. But hey, credit where credit's due. The guy is playing. And I feel like, okay, so Dontavion Wicks looks solid, but I don't know if he's really moving much in my board because Q, it doesn't feel to me like number one is, uh, is standing out for better or for worse. And that's okay. He was a late round guy all the same, but he's not, he, he's not flashing the hand ability that Xavier Hutchinson has. He's not or uh, er, flashing the poker playing like route running mentality that I think we see from Jonathan Mingo and He's certainly not flashing the speed on the seams that we're even seeing from Will Mallory, from Luke Musgrave, and from a tight end group that has been a lot of fun to watch. I spent a little more time watching them. And I already had pretty high grades on a lot of these guys, but Luke Musgrave is beginning to race his way high, high up the board. Not because I necessarily think the Bears need him. I mean, I mean, there, there could easily be a commit extension that basically wipes tight end off our draft board all the I mean there's a chance right but as far as draft grades go it's hard to play as quick and fast as Luke Musgrave does so a big question will be how he's dealing with that knee injury but I thought a lot of these corners one more that I'll mention before I pass the buck Darius Rush out of South Carolina had himself quite a good day after a good day uh or a good day yesterday too he's way better at route matching than I think I gave him credit for in off man. He's a big old guy at uh, six one and a half, 196, so pretty much the same size as John Wright, but his feet are dramatically faster, and he's not as handsy, meaning that when he does engage his hands, he makes a little bit more efficient use of them, and that's something that I don't think I gave him enough credit for. Uh, when I watch a South Carolina tape and want to circle back and see if I can't watch more. Uh, Chris Smith, the DB uh, out of Georgia, has had himself quite a nice couple of practices, but let's be honest, this is just not a great theater for safety, running back, and in some cases, linebacker. But is there anybody that I've missed or anybody that you would want to know about before we dig into the offensive line? Payne Durham. Oh well he was on the uh he was on the national team. Oh you already talked.
2: Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got that mixed up.
1: No you get, worries. We
2: get a lot of players' names flying. It, yeah,
1: we're talking about like almost what is this, 120 players yeah. to track over two days? it's all over the place. Yeah.
2: Um yeah, I can jump into my guys. I, I starting off on the D line, I mean I think Will McDowell might be the best player on the field this week. That's wild. And I mean I I loved his tape. I was high on him, but I did not expect what I have seen here. I mean, he – in one-on-ones, they were – the way that the national team was – or was this American? The way the American team was doing their one-on-ones with O-line, D-line was Will McDonald lines up across from Darnell Wright. Go. All right. That's done. Will McDonald line up across from Darnell Wright again. Go. So, it's just boom, boom. One, two. And so, Will McDonald wins the first rep pretty well. Like, I mean, not many people beat Darnell Wright like that. And so, I'm sitting there expecting, like, Darnell Wright's going to – he's, he's going to Slam him this time. He does it again in a different way. It was a sweet spin move, too. Yeah. Like, I – you don't see Darnell Wright get beat like that very much. It just happened two reps in a row. And then as the practice went on, he was he was taking it to Matt Bergeron. He was taking it to Wanya Morris. At this point, he has beaten the three the who I think the three best offensive tackles at the senior bowl are all all in one practice. That is impressive stuff. And I can't be <coughs> like I, I'm I can't just be seeing this in my <coughs> own head. Everyone out there has to be seeing it. He's pushing himself into easy first round consideration.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, with Will McDonald, it seems like it's literally just a question of how's he gonna hold up in the run game. Yeah. And that's something that I mean, I don't want to yeah. take your thunder away. Well, I but... guess I
2: should I should I should say for the Bears board, not easy first round oh, consideration. No. no. For a three-four team, for a team that's that's gonna want that stand-up rush linebacker. Easy first Well, round
1: I mean, to use an example, if if he can play the run pretty much at all, like and he falls into the mid second or especially the late second round, like you could, if you're the yeah. Bears, really consider taking him just as a pass rush specialist because you can never have enough pass rush in, yeah. in this league. But like you're talking about when people talk about scheme and how much it affects the board, I feel like it's not as drastic as sometimes we make it sound like. It's not like, oh, well, we're just going to have to wipe all our tight ends off the board. I was obviously being hyperbolic earlier. It's more to say that it pushes them down just enough that somebody else will find the value before you will.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are going to be teams who are going to value this guy's first round, and if he's there at 31, 32, someone's going to take him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know who has those picks, but so like he's not he's not going to be sitting there in the second round. I don't think after what he's shown this weekend.
1: I mean, we're talking about
2: it's the Eagles and the Chiefs,
1: right? Thirty-one, thirty-two, uh, uh, and then thirty-two no, is Pittsburgh. Be the winner of the
2: Super Bowl and thirty-two is Pittsburgh. Rip. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's the Claypool trade. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, hey. I bet he would be great in Pittsburgh. I bet he would be great in Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he he did have he did struggle a little bit with the run today. Uh, there was a play where he just got blown out of blown out of a run lane and went for a big gain. But his pass rush prowess is real. Um, and then next up, I'm looking at Florida A and M edge rusher and linebacker playing. Today. He was playing some off ball linebacker okay. Isaiah Land. Um, Isaiah Land was a player who coming into this, turn on the tape, fast. Fast, thin, but fast, twitchy, bendy. He is a guy who can be a problem on the edge. But, again, probably not a fit for the Bears. I mean, less of a fit than Will McDonald. Right. But he just made – I mean, he was just knocking some heads today. Like, just just laying the wood – bringing some serious power as playing that stack linebacker type of position and just flying through some run gaps. I mean, maybe if the Bears think he can be a linebacker, he might go up. I think he moved up teams draft boards, but again, maybe not the Bears. And I should probably focus on who moved up the Bears board. Um, Cameron Young is a guy who I think probably moved up the Bears board today a fair amount because he's a guy who – Mississippi thats Mississippi State defensive tackle Cameron Young, he just had a good day. He, he was winning in one-on-ones more than he had the previous day, and he made a few splash plays in nine-on-seven and in a scrimmage that showed, showed his power, showed his run-stopping prowess, and showed his
1: ability to shoot gaps a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you somebody else who I feel like may very well have moved up the Bears board is offensive tackle Wanya Morris. It's going to be tough to get a tackle. I mean, look, the Bears could probably draft. They could have 10 picks in the first 50 players, and they could still have more picks to make in terms of the needs that they've got on their roster, at least in a pre-free agency sense. But but we don't know what they're going to do at center. We don't know what they're going to do at tackle. Maybe they sign a Caleb McGarry. Maybe they sign an Ethan Pochich, McGarry being the Atlanta uh, right tackle, Pochich being the Browns center. Uh, But if they don't, then a guy like Wanya Morris, he's light. I mean, he can move. I've seen him flying around, and they played him a little bit at left tackle today.
2: Yeah, they played him at left tackle, which is a position that he struggled with in the past in his time at Tennessee. And today he showed some of that versatility and that some of that was behind him. Mm -hmm. Um, Because he he really didn't break out of – his struggles from Tennessee until this past year when he was playing right tackle at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And he looks like a new player yeah. at Oklahoma. And he he did get beat by Will McDonald today while he was playing left tackle, but who didn't? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Wanya Morris is definitely a guy who I think would move up the Bears board. I mean, I I'm struggling to see how he makes
1: it out of the second round with how he's playing right now. Well, I mean, I guess it would all be based on past tape, right? Because yeah. that'll weigh guys down more than it should. Here's a question because I, – I, okay, so uh, Foskey, he's on the American team, right? Yes. How did he play today? He's somebody that I've got my eye on for a Bears defensive end, maybe late second, early third round. Do you think he's sticking there or do you think he's playing too well? I think he's playing too well for to, to be going that late. I mean, I, I
2: think he is a – Probably early second round pick. Um, that makes sense. I, I mean, I think he could be a first round talent in some drafts. I believe he's actually on the national team, unless I'm. You know, it.
1: you might have been, but yeah, I, was... I, I didn't
2: mention him because he's just he's just been living up to my expectations. Yeah, that him. makes on sense. On my board, I think that's where
1: he he is and should be. Right. Yeah. At, you make it sound though like there's a uh, a certain a certain man with a familiar last name. Uh, that is moving up your board even if he was already incredibly high on everybody else's. I'm talking about John Michael Schmitz.
2: Oh yeah. Minnesota Center John Michael Schmitz. Today was the I've been the hater in the room <laughs> for about two months now. And um, silently I, I've tried to keep it quiet because I I couldn't get my, I couldn't get his 2022 tape very very much of it. And I just I didn't want to be that guy who's out there yelling at, at trees that John Michael Schmitz didn't look good to me. Um, but today, he looked good to me. I mean, he was he was getting the job done in pass protection for the most part, and he was really making some of the run scheme go. And then uh, the real selling point for me was a screen pass where he just he flew outside, hit his corner that he was supposed to hit, the cornerback. And crushed him. Oh, my gosh. And it wasn't it like, I mean, and, and you know, a 300-pound guy should crush a 100, what, 90-pound guy. Right. But they usually don't. They're usually just, just kind of, if they're good, they get in the way. hmm If they're really good, they put them in the dirt. And that's what Michael Schmitz did to him, which is something that can be really intriguing with the type of stuff that the Bears run and with how much their screen – I know, Robert, you talked about this – how much their screen game has struggled over the past Oh, yeah. years.
1: I mean, that that's going to be a huge point of the Bears' offense, I imagine. Yeah. Look, I'm drawing a lot of this from actually how Seattle used to run their offense with Russell Wilson, but it feels to me like with Justin Fields not being amazing at short throws between zero and five yards, that the Bears are trying to use their screen game to really jimmy loose a lot of free yardage, take advantage of deep drops in coverage, and utilize the fact that they feel like they have some playmakers, which... You know, a bit of a misnomer on a um, on a team that ended up first overall, but that's a conversation for a different story. Yeah. On offensive line, it feels like Tevin Jenkins is decent in open space, but even him, like we're talking about an offensive lineman with back problems. And so and he's looked stiff since they started. He really has. And he just suffered a pretty major neck injury. Yeah. So whether it's replacing Sam Mustafer, which, you know, I, I said it all last season, so I hope it happens this season and we finally get away from starting him. But whether it's Lucas Patrick, whether it's John Michael Schmitz, somebody who's able to take the snap, let somebody through, get out into space and make sure that whether it's Khalil Herbert, Tony Pollard, Tajay Spears, whoever the Bears have toting the pill, that they're able to make hayway with those uh or like headway with those screens, I feel like that's gonna be really core to them. Yeah. Also, like you're talking about, I feel like John or John Michael Schmitz, his feet seem pretty incredible. I mean, yeah. compared to it's nothing against Jarrett Patterson, but to use Jarrett Patterson as an example, he's more of a standout pass protector at center that can open a gap here and there, but he's not going to reach the five tech, yeah. right? But John Michael Schmitz can, and yeah. not many can. It's like in in simplest terms, when if I said budget Tyler Linderbaum. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Where it's not—we're not talking Kirkland yeah. uh, t- or Linderbaum. He's pretty good, but this is this is the Walmart version. This is the like it, the Target version, maybe, yeah. of the brand name that is uh, that is Tyler Linderbaum. Where there's a lot of things he can do for your run game that make you live with pass game trouble for a guy who's usually the help man in yeah. for a brush. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. It feels to me like the American practice today was incredibly contentious. And like we kind of talked about yesterday, I, I'm still hoping that some of these guys play their way into being a or being a player that the Bears could utilize. I'll tell you Michael Wilson has me legitimately intrigued because the Bears, if I had to guess, if we assigned a confidence, me or like a confidence value to every Bears receiver. I imagine they're very confident in Darnell Mooney. I imagine they're relatively unconfident in Chase Claypool, and I imagine they'll be relatively confident in whatever free agent they bring in, meaning that whoever they add might need to be like whether it's the free agent or whether it is a draft pick, you got to think that they'll be they'll need to be able to play that X spot. In some capacity, right, Q? Yeah. Because if Chase, if Chase Claypool is a complete bust, then you're you're out of luck. Yeah. And so with with Michael Wilson being as big as he is, I mean, you don't want to bet everything on somebody who's now missed more football than he's played. But he's healthy now. I mean. And, and I'd, I'd need to do more research. Obviously, the medical team's going to know more. But I'm hoping that one of these guys can play their way into being that dude. And if Jaden Reed's a separator, maybe he fits with Justin Fields. But I'm also obsessed with talking about receivers. I feel like at the end of the day, you're the guy to have on here uh, because the offensive line and the defensive line are going to be where I feel like the Bears are going to keep their eyes. Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely think it's a high priority for them. As far as one other senior bull name that I wanted to go through, I know he probably didn't move up your board, but the more you look at him, do you see Keanu Benton as like a similar player to Deron Payne in that he's a nose that can also pressure the passer, or do you feel like he's more of a three-tech?
2: I generally feel like he's more of a three-tech. I think he's been painted into a run-stuffer role, but I'm not sure that that's really naturally what he is best at. Wisconsin
1: defensive tackle. Keanu yeah, Madden, I should have said.
2: Um, and I mean, I think he's capable of playing a nose. I don't think he would be the same presence against the run as you get with a Duron Payne there. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think he would be best served with him in a three-tech role where you're asking him to one gap and dominate that gap. And he'll stuff the run there and he'll get some pass rush out of it. Mm-hmm as opposed to asking him to to just carry more responsibility at the nose position.
1: Is there anybody on either team that you feel like has fit that nose or that nose tackle that one tech role that if Deron Payne cuz it's very possible he doesn't make it to the market didn't or like doesn't end up a Chicago Bear that he that you see somebody here that might be able to fit it or do you think they'll be looking in NFL for agency? I
2: think there's some guys in the draft that do. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I've seen many guys here makes sense that I think can can jump in and be that guy for the Bears. But I mean I, I think I, I'm a huge fan of Javon Dexter out of Florida. I think I mean I don't I don't know if the Bears are in a position to be spending a second round pick on a nose tackle, but I think that's where he's going. Um at like early second round but there's there's likely some other guys similar to him
1: that I like that I haven't watched yet, but that is a conversation for a week or two from now. Absolutely. And that'll be a conversation we have another time. But until then, today, this has been your Senior Bowl Day 2 practice recap with Building the Board. Tomorrow we'll be back for either a Day 3 practice recap or a Senior Bowl wrap up because forecast says rain so we'll see if practice happens if it does we'll be there we will brave the elements for you thank you guys so much for listening please comment or or shoot us a DM on twitter whether you're enjoying the show what you think of it what you're looking to hear more from maybe even players that you want us to take an extra special look at as we really get this project started thank you so much bear down and thanks so much for bearing with me